nor easy day and age that they are living. And um, I'm just praying that the, the presence of God goes with them wherever they go. They need that strength and that protection. I don't know whether I should say happy Labor Day to you, Merry Labor Day. What's, what's the proper protocol? I don't know. What do we do on Labor Day? Welcome. How about that? We'll start with that. So uh, we're glad you're here on Labor Day. That was a horrible joke that fell flat. Don't ever let me do that again. Um, having the kids in here, uh, it actually is a great transition into what I want to talk about today. It is so funny when you're around kids and they ask a lot of questions, right? For those that have kids or been around a lot of kids, you know they ask a lot of questions. Our two-year-old, Peyton, she's already started with the questions. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Everything. I mean, she's pointing at my pants, at my shirt, at my hair, at my ears. She knows. What's that? What's that? What's that? They don't grow out of that, do they? I mean, sometimes the questions ramp up, but the questions just become different. So this week... I was riding along in the vehicle with my son, my oldest two, uh, Mick and Callie, and we're talking about how after Labor Day, they're starting school, and Callie goes, Dad, what is Labor Day? Like, why do we celebrate Labor Day? And when you think about it, there's so many other holidays that you're like, oh, Thanksgiving, I know why we celebrate that, Christmas, Easter, right? It, there's a lot of holidays where you're like, oh, I absolutely know why we celebrate that. But think about it for a minute. Why do we celebrate Labor Day? Now, I know kind of how we treat it, right? We kind of treat it as the unofficial end of summer, right? There's usually cookouts and barbecues and things like that. One thing I learned is I can no longer wear my white pants after Labor Day, all right? That's some sort of rule. Don't worry, I don't have any. Um, Generally, I don't eat hot dogs unless I'm at a sporting event, it's time for me to get ready for hunting season and fantasy football season, all right? That's usually around Labor Day, things of that nature. But I got on Google, and I was like, why in the world do we celebrate Labor Day? This is what I found. Labor Day is actually a day that pays tribute to the contributions and achievements of American workers. June 28, 1894, Congress packed an passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a legal holiday. America. That's essentially, you know, we're like, yeah, go work. We work real hard. We deserve a day where we can just do nothing and eat some hot dogs and sit around and talk about how crazy this world is. We celebrate how hard we work all year long. Look at what we've done Look at our achievements. Now, don't get me wrong. I am so grateful for the day off. But it does feel like something is a little different now when we celebrate in 2022 compared to what they were celebrating back in the late 1800s. Now, we work a lot harder, a lot longer Things are faster. We're always trying to get ahead, get ahead, get ahead. And as I was researching Labor Day, I started to think, I just, I feel like we're not in a good, healthy place today as people, as Americans. So I started to look up statistics about being overworked. People in America, people that live the way that we do, 
we are not in a healthy place in regards to healthy living, a balance between work and not working. So here's a couple statistics for you. I want these just to, I want you to listen to these and let them hit you. People working 55 or more hours each week face an estimated 35% higher risk of stroke and 17% higher risk of dying from heart disease compared to people following a widely accepted standard of working 30 to 40 hours. We are literally working ourselves to death. At least 134 countries have laws that set a maximum length of work in a week. The U.S. does not. 134 countries say this is all you're allowed to work in a week. According to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, U.S. workers work on average 1,767 hours per year. This is 435 more than the average German worker, 400 more than the average person working in the United Kingdom, 365 more hours per year than French workers, and 169 more hours per year than Japanese workers. There is not a federal law requiring paid sick days in the United States like there is in so many other countries. The U.S. remains the only industrialized country in the world that has no legally mandated annual leave or vacation time. In every industrialized country except Canada and Japan and the U.S., which averages 13 hours or 13 days per year, workers get at least 20 paid vacation days on average. Get this. In France and Finland, they get 30 days off, an entire month paid every year. One of the most alarming statistics is 94% of workers in the professional service industry work over 50 hours a week. 48% of Americans consider themselves to be workaholics. Around $190 billion has been spent every year to address the physical and psychological effects of burnout in the workplace. $190 billion a year. I'm all for celebrating how great America is, right? People want to come to this country because of how awesome it is and how you can work and you can become whatever you want. And we're taught even from a young age that you can attain anything. Just work harder, work harder, work harder. And that is true. And that's what makes America great. But how many know that even if something is great, you can go too far with something? And instead of being in one ditch, now you find yourself in another ditch. In my opinion, there has to be a better way. The title of my sermon this morning is this, Labor Day, His Way. Labor Day, His Way. I've never heard someone preach on Labor Day. This is my first time. If it flops, I'll never do it again. Labor Day, His Way. Can you do me a favor? Can you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. Now, like many things in life, there's usually more than just one way to do it. There's usually several ways to do it. And today, I want to talk about the difference between doing things His way and doing things my way. Does anybody have any history or stories in this department where you're like, I've done things my way, figured out 
how that's not the way to go and then done it his way. You finally do it his way and you go, why have I been doing it the other way for all of these years? I want to read a story in John chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. Starts out like this. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have to be in this place this morning. God, I pray that not one word of mine would be spoken. God, that it would be all you. God, I pray this morning, Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that we would hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us, that we would take everything that we're supposed to from this time with you this morning and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen. Today, what I want to talk to you about is the fact that sometimes we get caught up in going about life in an unhealthy way. We get so wrapped up in the things of this world. We get so wrapped up in doing the things that we think need to be done. And then we stop and we find ourselves in a place where we go, I'm not good. I'm not healthy. This happened to me a few years ago. It was a little bit before COVID, and I saw the title of a book, and it really struck me, and the title of the book was this, How's Your Soul? How many times do we pass someone in the hallway, pass someone in the grocery store, how you doing? Good. You keep right on going. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good to see you. Wife and kids, good? Yep, 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 good, good, good. Go, 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 go. What would you say if someone said, how is your soul? When I read the title of that book, I didn't like my answer. Not good. Not good. I'm a pastor. You know what I do. Some of you do. It's not all golf. I promise you that. 
It's not all meetings, but there's a lot of different things that come into my life the average week where I'm doing a lot of different things, wearing a lot of different hats. And I had gotten to the place being busy with work where I was unhealthy. And I literally said, God, the way I see it, I have two options. One, I need you to pour out your spirit on me again, and I just need a freshness, a newness, or I need you to remove the calling from my life. Since I was eight years old, I knew that I would be doing what I am doing right now in some capacity. And my soul was in such a bad place, I said, God, I can't do it this way anymore. I need newness, freshness from you, or remove your calling from my life. Because my soul was not good. And it was because I was in a place where I was focusing on too many things that did not matter. I got to do, I got to do, I got to, how do I fix this? How do I fix that? How do I make this better? How do I make this greater? Go, 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 go. And my soul was not well. If you're taking notes this morning, write down point number one here. The toil. The toil. What I want to do is I just want to look at the disciples what their lives were like leading up to this point. So they're out working. A lot of them were out working. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, I want you to leave everything and follow me. Okay. They do it. Then they watch this guy perform some incredible, amazing miracles that just cannot be explained what is this guy doing? This is insane. They're following him for three years, and then he is crucified. And then he is raised back to life. All of this happened. They left everything they knew, followed this guy around, saw him die, saw him come back to life in three years. And it probably felt like a whirlwind. So what do they do now? Peter, I love Peter. He's just such a dude, right? He's like, I'm just imagining, there's seven disciples here. They're all kind of looking at each other like, now what? I'm going fishing. Yeah, me too. Let's go fishing. Right? Such a guy thing to do. Am I right? Let's just go fishing. So that's what they do. They turn back to what they knew before Jesus. Let's go fishing. They fish all night long, and how much did they catch? Nothing. How disheartening. They worked so hard. They had to have been so tired. And they have absolutely nothing to show for it. So they are slowly making their way back to shore. And somebody yells from the shore, Friends, haven't you any fish? All right. Let's just stop right there. I enjoy hunting. I enjoy fishing. Do you know what the worst thing in the world to hear is when you come back with absolutely nothing? What happened? What, what, what happened? Where's your catch? You didn't get anything? Don't ever ask a hunter if he caught a deer, okay? We don't catch deer. You do that with a net. We're not don't catching deer. You didn't catch anything today? Where? This took me back to a story with my wife. So uh, early on in the ministry... When we first got married, we were married a year, and we bought a house. And in the house is a river in the backyard. It's the Flint River. It's about 70 yards wide, so it's a decent river. And my brother and I, 
at this time, we didn't hunt, but we'd hear the duck hunters down there just blasting away at the ducks. And we're like, hey, that sounds fun. Let's try that. So we go to Walmart, and we buy a green tarp. We borrowed a couple shotguns, and we're like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to hunt some ducks. We didn't even know if we liked duck. So we sit down there, and we're blasting away at everything that flies by. Not getting anything, okay? Now, I don't want to get too technical right now, but duck hunting, there are some times when they're coming into land, and it's a little bit easier to harvest a duck. When they are zipping up and down the river doing 40 miles an hour, and they are the size of your shoe, they are hard to hit, all right? So my brother and I are getting into hunting, and we would come back, and we would have absolutely nothing, And my wife, every time, liked to point out that we got absolutely nothing. And the one time she actually said, you know, if we were Indians, we'd probably starve to death because you are not a good hunter. Ouch. Do you remember saying that? Yes. I was like, sweetheart, that hurts. Hunting is like a manly thing. Yeah, we're going to provide for our family, and I'm getting nothing. I've gone fishing, deep sea fishing before, shark fishing before, tuna fishing before. And when you go out and you have a bad day, it's the worst. When we go deep sea fishing, we get up at 3 a.m. And we would go out and we would catch the bait. And then we would get on the boat. And it takes you hours to get where you're wanting to go. And you're fishing and you're waiting and you're fishing and you're waiting and you come back. And everybody loves to point out that you didn't catch anything. Where's your fish? What happened? Bad day? That's what Jesus says to these guys. So back to the story. These guys just respond with a simple no. (laughs) No. I'm sure it was through their teeth. (laughs) No, we didn't catch anything. No, we don't have anything. But what I find interesting is, as Jesus is yelling to shore, to these guys that he did life with for three years, They went everywhere together. They eat meals together. They slept in the same place. They just watched him be crucified, came back to life. Jesus is a hundred yards from them, yelling out to them, and they don't recognize him. Hmm. I would think I would recognize someone that I loved with my whole heart a hundred yards away. I would think so. I would at least think that I would recognize their voice a hundred yards away. If Amber yelled at me a hundred yards away, I'm going to know that is my wife. I I know her. So Jesus is a hundred yards away yelling out to them, you didn't catch anything? Nope. How did they miss him? How did they not put it together that it was him? Well, they were exhausted. They worked. They worked. They worked all night long, and they missed their Savior, who was a hundred yards from them. A common question that I get as a pastor is, how do you hear God? When God is speaking to you, when you say things like, God said to me, God told me, I felt God say to me, how, how does that happen? And I do the best that I can to explain what it feels like to them. 
But this kind of got me thinking, how many times in my, in my life am I missing Jesus because I'm working too hard? Because I am focusing on things, because I'm exhausted in my life from doing things that I think matter, that hold no eternal value, and Jesus is speaking to me, and he is standing on the shore waving at me, and I am missing him. Ask yourself that question this morning. When is the last time that I felt God speak to me about something? Have I been so busy? Have I been working so hard on the task that's in front of me, focusing on my job? I got to get that next raise, or I got to get that promotion, or things are just so tough and stressful right now. Let me just get past it. And then when you stop, you're like, when's the last time I felt like God said something to me? How many times is Jesus speaking to me and you and we're missing it? Because we're wrapped up in things that don't truly matter. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. When I do things my way, I try to accomplish things my way. When I put my hands on something, my fingerprints on something, I'm going to get this. I'm going to earn this. Me, me, me. I'm just going to work harder. I am missing my Savior trying to get my attention. Wouldn't you think those guys would be like, is that, is that Jesus? This isn't the first time he appeared to them. They knew he had been raised back to life. It's not like the first time they just thought he was dead. This is not. How did they miss him? They were tired. They were focusing on their work. And they were missing their Savior. Church, I don't want to be that kind of people, that kind of person, where I'm missing what God is doing, where Jesus is right there saying, hello, hello. And I'm just like, work. Work, work, work. Point number two, the blessing. The blessing. Back to our story. They didn't recognize Jesus, that it was Jesus. But I want to just point out something interesting. The last time they had an experience like this was about three years ago. We read about that experience in Luke 5. Where they had been fishing all night. They didn't catch anything, and some random guy yells from the shore, go deeper. Go deeper. Now, I don't know about you, but one thing that drives me absolutely nuts is when I'm told how to do something that I already know how to do. Am I alone? That drives me crazy. I'm like, do you think I'm an idiot? Like, that's literally what goes through my head. Duh, I know. These guys do this for a living. They try. They fish. They fish. They fish. They come back and some random dude, yo, go deeper. I'd be like, you go deeper. I just was deeper. There's nothing there. I just fished all night long. And Jesus yells, go deeper. They listened. They listened. Props to them. I'd been like, dude, go away. Like, I, I wouldn't have listened. They listened. They went deeper. 
They caught so many fish that the nets began to break. They had to bring in other boats. They're loading the boats with these fish, and the boats start to sink. So I'm wondering, as they're there, and some guy is yelling from shore, throw your net to the other side, do they go, last time this happened, something pretty cool happened. You know what? What do we got to lose? Let's do it. John 21, 6, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Jesus shows up, says, this is what I'm telling you to do. And when they do it, when they did it his way, whether they understood or not, when they followed his voice, his leading, it blew their minds. Do you think it's possible that sometimes we miss out on the blessing of God because we are too busy doing it our way? I think that's what happens in my life. There are times when I'm working so hard, and I'm like, I know how to do this. I'm just going to focus on this. Jesus, I'm sure you have so many other things to worry about and to work at. Don't worry about me. I'll get this figured out. I'll get it squared away. And he's going, hey, knucklehead, listen to me. Just do this. I've done that. You don't understand. You haven't done it my way yet. You haven't done it when I've told you to do it, the way I've told you to do it. Try it my way. How many times have we uttered something along the lines of like, well, we've done everything else. Now all we can do is pray. If that ain't the dumbest thing I've ever heard or said, I've said that. I've done that. And isn't that sad? Why isn't that our first reaction, not last resort? To do it His way. Matthew 6, in the New King James Version says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. When we do His way, His will, seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, Everything else is taken care of. So you're telling me there's a better way? So you're telling me there's an easier way where I don't have to work so hard, where I have the blessing of God and he blesses my life and he does things? I, there are times in life where I'm a slow learner. But in, in one area, we've been doing pretty well where we just said, you know what, God, we're going to listen to you and listen to your voice when we don't understand. We were at an incredible church on Long Island, doing ministry with people that we loved. And God said, I am calling you to do something else. And we said, okay. That was scary. That was scary for us. We could have ended up anywhere doing anything. But when God said, I want you to do it my way and this way, we said, okay. I never dreamed in a million years we would be here with you. We're living in that blessing right now, my wife and I. It's you. It's here. Not because of me, not because of how smart I am or how hard I work or anything like that. That is the blessing of God. 
when he says, I'm calling you to do it my way. When we finally submit, look what happens. My third point is this. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the prize. John chapter 21, verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. They had so many fish in these nets that they couldn't haul it in. The whole reason while they were out there was to catch these fish, and they're catching, they got to catch like of a lifetime. They can't haul it in. They realize it's Jesus, and what does Peter do? See ya. Jumps into the water and goes after Jesus, the real prize. Because he understands He's not seeking what just God is giving him. He is seeking God himself. There are times in our lives where we are just searching so much for what he is handing out to us. And he's saying, look for my face. Find me. Search for me. Come after me. Peter messed a lot of things up in scripture. He got this one right. He realized in this moment, those fish don't matter. They don't matter. He matters. And nothing is stopping me. Just jumps right in the water and starts swimming fully clothed. Because he understood the fact that Jesus is the real prize. He knew what was most important. When we talk about this, when we talk about Jesus being the true prize, it makes me think of Mary and Martha and the time that Jesus came over. There's been so many times that I see myself as Martha in this story. Today I want to be Mary. I want to read this story really quick. Luke chapter 10, starting verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary got it. Mary got it. There's so many times in my life that I am Martha. I am doing things for Jesus. For Jesus. This has to be perfect. That has to be perfect. I need this here, this here. We got to do this. We got to do this. Running around. And I need to be like Mary. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Soaking in everything that he has for me. And yet I'm running around. And I am missing him. Do you ever find yourself acting like Martha? People like Mary, in a situation where something has to be done, if someone's sitting around and I'm the only one working, my temper's like at 10. I'm raging. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Get off your rear end. I need your help. Do you know how much faster we could do this if we're working together? That's where I go. 
And Jesus is saying, you're worried about things that really don't matter. Martha had great intentions. She wanted the house to be perfect. She wanted the food to be perfect. She wanted everything cleaned. Work, 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 work. And she's missing the time that she had to spend at the feet of Jesus. I want to kind of bring this back full circle. I'm not anti-Labor Day, just so you know. We're going to end up at a couple cookouts ourselves. I'm going to eat so many hot dogs, my stomach's going to hurt. But going forward, when we celebrate Labor Day, I want to take this time to be thankful for my job and my country, the fact that I live in America and that I can have a day to just celebrate that. But going forward, I'm also going to thank God that I don't have to labor in vain. That there is a better way and that it's His way. How many times do we get wrapped up into, if I just push real hard right now, focusing on this, if I just work at this, work at that, then it'll be easier on the back end. Does it ever get easier on the back end? It might. I just never found it. It doesn't. Some people are like, I'm going to work. I had an uncle. I'm going to work seven days a week. Not just my shift. I'm going to work overtime. And I'm going to work and work and work and work and work. So that I can retire and then I can really enjoy life. My uncle passed away before he was able to retire. We don't have to work in vain, church. I feel like God is saying to us this morning, we need to be healthy. We need to have perspective. We need to be like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Don't let the opportunities that you have with family and friends pass you by. The opportunities you have to parent your kids, to grandparent your grandchildren. There is a better way. And that is His way. And ultimately... Jesus is the prize that we're after anyway. Am I right? Church, will you do me a favor? Will you get out your communion cups? We're going to get ready to take communion this morning as a family. going to take a minute to just recognize what he's done. If, if you did not get a communion cup and you need one, can you do me a favor just raise your hand and we have some awesome gentlemen that will walk around and get one to you. I have one over here to my left. Anybody else? Everybody good in the balcony? When we take communion, it's a great time to stop and just reflect on everything He's done for us, on what He did for us on Calvary, the price that He paid for you and for me. I kind of look at it almost like as a reset where I, I just stop, call a timeout, and say, 
how are we doing? Jesus, how are we doing? Are we as close as I can possibly be to you? Is, are, are there things between us? Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame to a cross. It says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he had given thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you and do this in remembrance of me. Before you eat it, I just want to ask you a question. Is there an area of your life that is broken? His body was broken so that we may be whole. And I'm going to ask something of you. And this is something that I want to start doing going forward. You'll get used to it. But I'm going to ask if you're in this place today and there's just something in your life that is broken. Maybe it's a relationship, a situation, whatever. Where the only words you can just use to describe this situation is there is something that is broken. Maybe it's something in you. And you just say, I'm broken. I need help. If that is you today, and you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to stand in this place. And we're going to pray for you this morning. So if there's a broken situation, something in your life that is broken, you are asking God to make it whole. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as I pray. Jesus, we are thankful that your body was broken so that we may be made whole. Jesus, I just pray that we would feel your presence in these situations, that we would see your hand at work. Lord, you know each and every situation of the people that are standing right now where they say something is broken and I need a miracle. I need Jesus to come in and fix what is broken. Lord, we lift up this situation to you right now. In Jesus' name, take and eat all of it. Please remain standing. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He shed his blood for you and for me so that we can experience freedom and healing. If you're in this place and you need a healing touch from God, he wants to heal you in every way, shape, form. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. If you're in this place, you need a healing today. Would you do me a favor and please stand? Join those who are already standing. You're crying out to God for a healing in your life. Jesus, we thank you for the blood that you shed for us. Jesus, we thank you that you paid a punishment for all of us. Took stripes on your back. Whipped, beaten, bruised. Jesus, for, for us. God, I pray for those in this room that need a healing. 
whether it be physical, spiritual, emotional. Lord, do you know what's going on? God, we are crying out for your healing touch. We thank you for every drop of blood that you shed for our total and complete healing. We are asking for a miracle this morning. In Jesus' name, you can drink. Would everyone else stand, please? What we're going to do is we're going to go back into a worship song. And this is a great time for reflection. This is a great time to say, how did this apply to me today? God, are you speaking to me today? Maybe God is speaking to you about something that I, it wasn't even anything that I said or mentioned, but you just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. The song that we're about to go into when we're going to worship together, that's a time for you to just kind of take and meditate on what he's doing and say, God, just continue to do something in me. But I also want to present an opportunity to those in this room Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, meaning he's never been put number one in your life. You've never said, God, I, I want to follow you with my whole heart. But today you say, I want to make that change and that choice in my life. We're going to have a prayer team that's going to be up front, and they want to pray with you this morning. But also in this place, if you just say, Ben, I haven't been doing it his way. I've been doing it my way. I've been working so hard and I've been missing him. I haven't been hearing his voice. All I've been focusing on is the job in front of me, the task in front of me, worrying about things all around me. You say, today I want to stop doing it my way and I want to start doing it his way. You'll have an opportunity to come up front and pray or you can stay right in your seat and pray. It's totally up to you. But I do want to let you know that I'm going to pray when I say amen. These altars are open. And we want to be here to pray with you if you need it. Jesus, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, God, for the work that you've done for us on Calvary. That you paid a price that I could not pay. You paid a price for the sins of this world. Jesus, I just pray that I would begin to do things your way. I don't want to celebrate my accomplishments in my life. I want to celebrate your accomplishments in my life. I want to celebrate who you are. I want to celebrate that there is a better way. God, work on each and every person in this place. Work on our hearts. Draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name.